0: many times as you possibly can to be that comfortable when you're there competing for something that's real now, right? Because it, it is what it is. You lose, you go home. It's like it's like the NCAA tournament. It's like the NBA finals. No more golf after that except for going out recreationally and having some fun, right? So don't put that pressure on yourselves today. You See what I'm saying? Yes, it's important. It's a conference match. Yeah, we want to win. We want to get 10 points. But if we don't, what's the bigger picture? Did we get better, right? And are we getting more prepared for that state run? That's what it's all about,
1: Okay. We all have uh, the mentors in our lives and teachers that we never forget. For my nephew, it's uh, Coach Mark Morrison who coached him in golf his sophomore year after transferring to a new school. Uh, It was really cool to hear David's stories about, you know, Coach said this, Coach said this, Coach said this and then finally when i went out to a match to take some photos it was it was great to meet him and get to know him throughout the season it was a lot of fun walking the courses you know meeting the fellow uh, david's fellow teammates and uh, you know offering a little advice i'm not you know i'm not the foremost knowledgeable person on golf but uh, i've been enjoying learning you know helping my nephew out and uh, you know offering a little bit of advice mainly on breathing and things of that nature just centering as uh, as golf can be one of those frustrating games. I mean, I know just myself playing with David. How many times I was frustrated and need to take my own advice. But uh, it's all good. And you could you could relate those golf stories with teaching. And uh, Mark Morrison, he was a special education teacher for a number of years in uh, in St. Louis, starting with the St. Louis Public Schools, as you'll talk about, and moving over to the Fort Zumwalt School District. So it's really cool to hear about his stories in the classroom, coaching his um, his fight with cancer, his victory over cancer. It's it's just an incredible story. Hearing how he grew up and things of that nature. So it's really cool to, as I said, uh, go you know take photographs of the team and uh, you know test out my skills in that regard. Yeah, you know, sports photography is not something that I've done, but it's something that, uh, you know, by by capturing images on the golf course, it's just really exciting for me. And I'm looking to do more of that and I shot some photos uh, for a friends, kids for hockey and you know, testing out the gear. And it's been a lot of fun. But um, it's thrilling for me to watch my nephew grow um, as a person, as an athlete and this opening clip where coach is talking about you know talking about the team that yeah you, know, you may not make it to to uh you know to state but uh but you're growing and that's something there's a lot to be said in high school sports you can't always win but it's a lessons that you learn so it's been been a lot of fun just learning more myself about golf and uh passing some things on meeting coach meeting uh you know Davis new coach next year will be uh, dusty Weisskoff. Who um who worked with Mark this year, and it was just a lot of fun, lot of lot of good times and uh, a lot of steps on the golf course. You know, I used the golf. You know, it was a great chance to bond with my nephew, see what he's doing, you know, get in shape, lose some pounds, and a lot of those pounds came from the the trivia nights that I spent at Rockstar Tacos. A lot of you may have listened to the podcast with Rebecca, one of the owners, uh, along with chef will pelly who is just a mad genius coming up with great tacos like the uh there goes my Euro," which is one of my favorites um there's the uh number of the beef which is a you know riff on iron maiden and just you know many many great great items that he has and just an incredibly creative menu you know his his version of the Taco Bell Mexican pizza is amazing. And my friend Jeff Ritter, we went uh, a couple weeks ago for trivia and he uh, he said it was a be, you know, much better than the Taco Bell version. So which would be expected as Will has just been an amazing chef at a lot of great venues over the years. So I just want to give a shout out to them and their support with the podcast and uh, just everything in life. And I uh, just love hanging out at Rockstar Tacos at Gaslight on the Hill in St. Louis. Also want to give a shout out to my longtime friend Mark Holland. If you're in need of any chiropractic uh, care, Mark is the guy for you. He has uh, four area locations in the St. Louis metro area, one in Alton, one in Wildwood, St. Charles, North County. Uh, Mark's my go-to guy when uh, when my back is all jacked up from sitting uh, sitting behind the computer too much or maybe getting out on the golf course with David. I'm still uh, did some different moves there. And uh, mostly my back gets all messed up when I'm riding in the cart with him. He just drives like a nut. So uh, it's pretty crazy. And then we go to Normandy golf course and there is a lot of spots, a lot of potholes there, but I love that course. Also want to give a shout out to my buddy, Eric light who has rust bucket Rembrandt's on YouTube He's uh, hard at work editing a new episode, which I helped him film and, uh, you know, traveled to Kentucky, traveled to um, California and captured uh, a lot of interviews, some some B-roll, worked with some great people, met some great people out there. So go to YouTube, give him a subscribe some comments he has uh, one episode already he's working hard on another and is going to put out a lot more content so special thanks to uh, coach Mark Morrison for his time I learned a lot and it was just a a blast to be able to sit down and just learn a lot more about you know his philosophy his life and uh, you know it was it was a great uh, privilege and honor to be a part of his last dance for Fort Zumwalt North Golf here he is mark morrison hey thank you for uh for having us at your oasis i got my nephew david who you coached just kind of sitting back uh, observing
0: he's chilling over there
1: yeah seeing uh you know either he'll be like wow my uncle does cool things or <laughs> my uncle's just a big dork which he i'm sure he already thinks that he's smiling and i
0: think you're cool as hell man
1: well thank you i need to yeah try to get that cool factor but uh you know first off i want to thank you for your service yeah you have served your students and i think that's that's one thing that when i'm talking to people about teachers and i you know i i'm a veteran but i didn't serve in combat or anything you know i was a non-war time which i'm fine with yeah i know like dusty served a lot of people have and that's important i know our you know police and military that's important i mean our police and firefighters first responders very important huge but also our teachers, so important, and so yeah, I'm just trying to. I think we should extend that thanking for the service to teachers because that is not an easy job.
0: No, not at all. 22 years, man. Uh, you know, and 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 formerly didn't go to school to be a teacher. You know, I, I majored in economics and business at Muhlenberg College. Uh, you know, went to right to Wall Street with Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, ne- never really thought about being a teacher. Now, the caveat to that is my whole high school summers. You know, obviously I was at camps, basketball camps a lot. Doug Callen, Doug Collins, all those different camps. But you know, all we had to get summer jobs back in that. Like like we, everyone was allowed to work. So all my friends are doing all these. Knick knack things and mowing lawns and and you know I you know, I could have done all of those things but I, my mom had she taught summer school, so I was my mom's teaching assistant for four summers making like fifteen dollars an hour as a high school kid. You know
1: that's, that's not bad. What year was that like? So nineteen
0: ninety through ninety four. That's good
1: money. It was In the huge 90s. money. <laughs> it was huge money, right?
0: And, you know, uh, again, with that comes, you know, hatred from your friends, you know, like they didn't hate it, but like I was paying for everything because no one else was making money like that. And the whole time, you know, these ladies that my mom, you know, Peggy Mulcahy, um, God, I I forget. Just like all your mom's teachers, friends. All their, I mean, there was, there was hundreds. She was, you know, part of the union. She was trustee of the town. So she was just a, a huge part of the community, but they would always, be, Mark, you're gonna be a special ed teacher. Mark, you're gonna be you're gonna be a, you're gonna be a great teacher. You're just great with these kids, and and I'm like, nah, I'm going to Wall Street. You yeah, uh-huh. I'm gonna go. I'm going like follow my brother's footsteps. Yeah, you know, yeah, my brother was, you know, on his way doing you know banking and then you know doing different things on Wall Street and and different on the private sector, but it, it was just. All of these things were just constantly like, you're going to be a teacher. You're going to be a teacher. Interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, I did my part. You know, I had I'm doing everything on Wall Street. And, and you know, then the World, the World Trade Towers got knocked down. And I was hired in World Trade Tower, too. So I remember, like, very vividly the three days that I spent in New York doing those interviews and then that happening. And immediately my, you know, I, I, I just, for me, it was just let's run. Uh, I just wanted to get as far away from New York at that time as possible, and, and that's how I ended up in Missouri. It's,
1: it's interesting how things happen. So there, you, your mom's friends are all predicting that you're going to be a teacher. You're yep. not. Your brothers are Wall Street. How, how much older is your brother than you? Seven
0: years. Seven years. Yep. So yeah,
1: he's yeah. There's a, a lot to that when you have that, uh, you know, that figure in your life that's doing that. So I could see how yeah how you might have been enamored by what he was doing, and your your older brother there.
0: We we never had a. I'd say great relationship growing up because we were, there was such an age gap. Uh-huh, yeah, you know, like, I mean, he went to prep school, the same prep school I went to. You know, I followed in his footsteps there. So you figure he's, you know, 18 going to prep school. I'm, you know, I'm I'm 11. So you know, and, and he never came back after that. Like he did, he did, what I did. He went from prep school to college. The you know da 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 to Carolina to New York. To, gotcha. He eventually comes back, but you know Kevin is was always. My role model, obviously my father as well, but Kevin, I just wanted to follow his footsteps, you know. And, and I did you see
1: that as a way to bond with him by doing the same thing he was doing? Yeah, you okay. know.
0: And I saw how successful he was in it, and I understood at that time, you know, my parents were we were a middle class, you know, probably a little on the lower side, but you know, not many families had a, a dad who was a bar owner. Yeah. You know, and my a mom who had that steady income of of the teaching yeah, over yeah. twenty some years. And then you know we branched out and opened up a deli, and you know we were in the club fitness with smoothies and so it was it was it was it was different growing yeah. up so very
1: me. entrepreneurial
0: yeah, my husband hundred percent of my father and and Kevin was kind of gone, you know so so I was the one picking up mom, you know taking money from one establishment gotcha. to the other yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know uh. Maybe or maybe not holding a small firearm for protection from my mother or the money that I was carrying from establishment to establishment
1: and this is up in Chicago, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah.
0: just on the outskirts I mean like we we say chicago we we west suburbs of Chicago, uh-huh. just on the outskirts yeah. uh and, and yeah, I mean, it was still dangerous, you know it's dangerous now it's dangerous yeah. anywhere like that, especially as a, just a young kid, and it wasn't like we were driving around and I'm driving around in a yellow Lincoln yeah. town car, <laughs> you know it. 17 16 17 years old and, you know it, it was scary and my dad knew it was scary uh-huh. and knew what people could do so we were always protected uh you know even even when we'd go go to the bar and have great functions yeah i as a kid i remember like 11 12 years old literally leaving the bar and having a guy following us like you know one of my dad's you know bar you know
1: Bartenders. like One of his patrons, or oh, yeah. one of his bartenders, bartenders was yeah,
0: one of his bartenders or something. Like, and that we, we had a beef like, or something? No, 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 nothing like that. Oh, they, he was they, they, protection? they were like security, oh, security, gotcha. like, and they, they, we, we, we'd park the car, yeah, and, and you know, they, they. Walk us into the house, we'd make sure the door was locked, and then they would pull away. You know, it was it was well, it when was, you're
1: dealing with cash like yeah. that, and, and then probably in the '90s, it was more cash business than it was now, where everybody's using credit card and PayPal, one hundred percent Venmo. And, so and, yeah, you walk around. And it's with that only that kind a matter of, of
0: time where people know where you live. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and and you know, so it, it is what it is. I, I was the only one on the, on the block that had a, a basketball court too. So like. There was a lot of flags. Oh, like that get a put. basketball
1: court, like in your backyard, like yeah. a full, full court. It wasn't a full court.
0: F- it was, it was a, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, basically a half court but thinner. Okay. And I mean, that's that's where I honed my skills. Like it was, it was. He, I think he cut down my mom's like half of our yard and my mom's <laughs> garden. She was pissed. Yeah. And put a full concrete slab in, and, and, and you know, the rim was cemented into the concrete. So I mean, I I can the battles that we had there were were phenomenal. Yeah. Like you know, that is dedication. It was well. I mean, wintertime, I remember having gloves cut out. You know, where it was just your fingertips so that I could dribble. You want know to talk about dribbling, dribbling drills, two balls dribbling in the snow. That that's that's impressive to do. You know. <laughs> but that but that that was it was fun. Yeah. You know that that's what we did. We weren't allowed in the house whether it was 17 degrees or 90 degrees. You, like the weekends, you had to go do stuff. You know.
1: And were you so, at that point? Was that your interest of the game that that he uh, did that, or was he? My saying, dad definitely hey, influenced
0: you, the game for me. He, okay. you know, so he's he put, like,
1: "You get out there. I want you to be a good ball player." Yeah, so he's he like, was, oh, "Here's the tools."
0: He was relentless. Yeah, uh, you know, my dad played at University of Florida under Norm Sloan. Um, he was drafted by the, I believe it was the Syracuse Nationals. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if that was an ABA team or an NBA team at that point. He tried out. He didn't make it. You know, but you know, he was a gator. I got pictures of him dunking. You know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was standing on a ladder. But and they're black and white. Yeah. So like they didn't have action photos back then like that. But uh, no, he definitely motivated me to play basketball. It was I saw how good he was at it, and I, it was just one of those things. But was, I mean, I guess too, like growing up in Chicago in the '90s, like Michael Jordan was God. Like Michael could have ran for mayor, president. We, you know, he could have oh, ran yeah. for anything yeah. at that point. in My opinion, uh, and won. But, yeah, you, it, it was, I didn't play soccer. I was never exposed to it. Uh, baseball, you know, my best friend Alvy played baseball. Uh, you know, it just was it was boring to me. Like, I, I wanted to get up and down. I wanted to run. I wanted to jump. I wanted to, so basketball was just, it was perfect for me. Now, 5'11 and white probably not the best choice looking back at it you know i mean I, I i put my i took my body to the limit as i as i like to say i maximized what god gave me i maximized what my dad taught me but more more importantly i guess my the point that i took from my dad was the discipline you know from the from the time i graduated eighth grade he knew i was undersized he knew i was slow he knew i couldn't jump but he knew I had a relentless workout. Like as soon as you told Mark I couldn't do something, that was what I was gonna prove everyone wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I had that gene in me or whatever that is in me since day one. No one thought I could be a basketball player. And so my dad designed this thing like, what do we I graduate eighth grade. I'm like, I got, man, I got a weekend, I'm gonna go to the pool. He was like, nope, 500 free throws, 300 jump shots every single day.
1: And then you can go to the pool. Then you can do whatever right. you want to do, and that's good. You get the work, was. get the get work in first, and, that, and not get distracted. Yeah, yeah. and that
0: was what my mom was like, I had like, you came home from school in those days. You did all your homework. Thank God, my mom was a teacher. She, I mean, she didn't know if the shit was right or not, but like, <laughs> she knew I completed it right. Yeah, yeah. And and that was the verification, and then I could go do whatever I wanted to do. So th- that discipline just rolled over, and I, I mean, I got I I could tell hundreds of stories. I remember being at. Uh, 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 one of my friends at the time, Julie's birthday party, we're all down hanging out in the basement, having a great time, dancing. Duh, 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 and here comes my dad. Just walks. He didn't even knock on oh, no, He just walked <laughs> in the house, came and got me downstairs and said, "Let's go. You got sh- you got five hundred, three mm-hmm. hundred. You know, <laughs> every single my own birthday party, five hundred, three hundred. You know, five, like mom's birthday, five hundred, three. You know, yeah. December thirty first, twenty degrees snow and five hundred, three hundred. He had a he had a key to the gym." you know yeah. i I'd have whatever eighteen twelve, and four and and you know we would drive from you know whatever elmwood to to back to proviso and and he'd make me do five
1: hundred three hundred mm-hmm. how long did it take you to do that two hours yeah
0: it, it it depend on the day like you know if if I was on it w- it would be less than that yeah. but but it but if I was not like. <laughs> here and here's here's the other thing, like this is where again, my always my brother was my mentor, my you know he's talked to me, he's talked me through things, my idol that I wanted to be like, but my dad was the guy, you know, my dad was the the alpha male of the house, right, he's bar owner, kind of a gangster dude, you know, <laughs> yeah, reminds me a lot of Denzel in the movie American gangster like he's just that that his aura you know people called him boss, but I don't know just. Him rebounding all those shots, you know. Not only did he get me there, drove me there, made me do it, but like
1: so he was with you on the five hundred. Yeah, he was the only so one he, rebounding. He man. wasn't just go out and do nah. it. He was he was see, there by your side, working with you. That, now, now you that see means what I'm a saying. Lot. Like, that's yeah. the di- like yeah.
0: And if he was willing to sit there and run up and down a basketball court, passing a heavy ball, so that I get stronger wrists and stronger yeah. passes and better, more accurate. Then goddamn it, like I, that's what I wanted to do. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, unfortunately Kevin didn't get that. Kevin was a football player, right? Yeah, so yeah. Kevin, Kevin, my dad was good at football. You know, my dad was a three sport, three state, four four sport all state out of West Virginia. Um, how, back then I guess you know track was you know they could do track and something else. And this the was in high school. For yeah, for my father, but Kevin was just you know he was he was a football player, had some some knee injuries, got blindsided one time. I, I didn't want to play football after that. You know, when I I remember we would go watch my brother play. You know, high school kids played on Saturdays, so we'd go watch my brother play, and then I would go. My pop Warner games were usually after his games, and my dad was my coach. So I'm in my you know Spartans all green, and I'd go watch my brother play every. You know, it was the coolest thing in the world for me, hearing those those high school kids coming out slapping their pads like woo, <laughs>
2: woo,
0: uh, like we didn't do that a little pop Warner, you know. But uh, yeah, he, he I saw him get hit blindside destroyed his knee total knee reconstruction uh, and i was like yeah i, I don't want to play football anymore <laughs> they were no the guys were bigger than me faster than me and my dad of course made me play quarterback so but yeah man at the end of the day it, the discipline that he taught he was
1: really pushing you he was there with you which yeah. is awesome. 500
0: 300 he he yeah. rebounded every one of those shots. Yeah. Um so, so something yeah.
1: like that does that really motivate you when you know he's out there that you would you would push even extra harder to to get better?
0: It did. It, you know uh, it, again just the the fat, I mean I mean I don't know exactly. He was 50 55 like you know bar owner hours, you know, he was a smoker, you know, a drinker, you know, but but he was running. I mean, he was in great shape. He was a phenomenal genetic Specimen, you know, six four. He could, he could do it all. You know, he, we, he was beating us our whole lives. You know, sixteen years old. I remember the first time I beat him in basketball, and it was it was the hardest thing for him to ever take. You know, and then I knew from that point on, you know, I could beat him yeah. any anytime.
1: And was he happy when no, you finally did No, he, he wasn't. He was old, still. so
0: so a good story. So my seventeenth birthday, we're, we're having it at my house on the basketball court. We're barbecuing. And, you know, my friends and I are playing, we're playing like two-on-two, two, and then it comes down to a challenge, so now it's one-on-one, it's me and dad, and, you know, it's my birthday, you know, so I got, you know, all my girls there, I got all my boys there, you know, parents and people were there, it was, it was a big crowd, it was like 50 people in this backyard, barbecues going, and my dad and I are going at it, like, like, if you would imagine Michael and Kobe going at it, like, in their prime, and, Things are getting said, fouls aren't getting called. (laughs) Dad's pulling pulling rank, you know, and and then you know all of a sudden he checks the ball, and it in it in my face, and it popped, it busted my lip. Oh, right, yeah. So, I you know I I I suck in the lip, you know, I suck in some blood, and I spit right like not on his foot. But yeah. like close to his foot, okay. right? And and he looks like so. That's how you disrespect the court I built for you. And then I just—I don't know what I was thinking, but I just popped him in the mouth with the ball.
2: Whoa!
0: Right? Yeah. So now there's—I mean, fifty people in a barbecue in Chicago. It it's like silence. What what did he just do? And then immediately you just hear my mom. So you you boys, stop it. This game's done. Da, 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 da. But at that point, I, I honestly feel like I mean he could have killed me, and no one would have done anything. You know, he was way stronger than me. He's you know six four. I'm five, maybe nine at that point. He, he didn't, and but he the look he gave me, like he smiled, like like Mike Tyson. You know, when you punch Mike Tyson, he just likes that, and like you know now he's gonna kill you. But he didn't, and it was like a respect thing. And because Mom lost her, you know, lost her head on us, we we didn't finish the game. And then from then on, you know, he knew he couldn't beat me. You know, he, he, he aged. I was getting bigger. I was getting strong. He would just back me down most of the time, you know. But again, like the, the 500, 300, I would have never been. I, I had no problem being in the gym. I love that. I love it like David loves being on the golf course or being at the range. That was my thing. I love that, too. That was a different way because I, I wasn't exposed to that. That was my dad's way out to get away from us. He'd go play golf and go do all those fun things. And, you know, he didn't want to be bothered with us tagging along you know then when i got old enough that i could play he started bringing me out and that was when i fell in love with it but now i've already put you know i've put 15 some years in the basketball and i've been to doug collins camp i've been to you know you know the the nashville camp i've been to dukes camp i've you know i'm all over the country doing all these different camps just so i can be exposed to the game i didn't really have the time to play golf you know but i loved it and I made the golf team, but again, where I was at, you know, 80% African American, like I was the number one golfer, and I was awful, you know. So I just, I would just get my ass killed. I'm shooting <laughs> 50s and 60s on nine holes, and these kids are shooting 36s, 38s, you know, and it was, it was embarrassing. But I, I was, my pride kept me to the point where I knew, like I said, like you guys can't come play basketball. Mm-hmm against us yeah. you know like you aren't gonna make the basketball team like i made the golf team like you know but you can't do what i do so I, I, that kept me in check you know or otherwise i could like i could just choke the kid out but like, <laughs> that wasn't it was frowned upon to do that as well it's yeah. not sportsmanlike <laughs> but you know but you, you, again we're we, these were country club kids and i wasn't a country club yeah. kid so we were raised differently we were exposed to different things you know hell i was on my first pool league at 11. How many, how many kids, do you know, going around 11 years old with your dad playing in different bars on pool leagues, yep. like real pool leagues? So, again, no one, you know, that's one of those other sports people don't want to play me in. You know, they don't want <laughs> to get me on the billiards tables.
1: Yeah. So interesting. So there's, there's where you had golf. So book basketball and golf, for, your dad loved those sports. Yep. And so, you, uh, you know, you absorbed that from him. And then you're schooling from your mom. That's a nice, that's a good mix. Yeah. It's good to have a school teacher. I like to say I'm a
0: Gemini, right? Because June 10th, I'm a Gemini, and I'm literally the perfect split of my mom and my dad. Nice. I I love
1: that. So you're, uh, okay, so you started in Wall Street, and then uh, 9-11 happens, and then you said you came to St. Louis. So was it a job that brought you to St. Louis? Was it uh, friends? Was it a gal? What was?
0: Uh, Yeah, well, so... uh, at that point, uh, I, w- I was single. Um, my daughter's, you know, mother. So I had. She came out to to, to Pennsylvania, New York. We were living on the outskirts, and uh, it, it, things seemed to be working. And it, it, jobs weren't good. You know, she wasn't working. I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point. Um, so so we left. She said, "Well, let's just, let, let's, It's cheaper to live in Missouri." Let's let's go to Missouri. So we did uh, Hazelwood condominiums and uh, no wood condominiums in Hazelwood right there. Hazelwood West District. Uh, yeah, didn't really have any plans or a job um, sitting at the pool. It wasn't as nice as this pool in, <laughs> in, in Hazelwood at the time, but it was a nice pool. And, uh, you know, just having a conversation, conversation, be, me being me and, you know, consistently being out there and, and meeting new people. Uh, a, a gentleman was like, "Man, you and, he, and I, I, I'll never forget this day again because it, like it was just it was like an echo of my mom, you know, whatever twenty years prior." This guy goes, uh, "Man, you'd be a great teacher."
1: <laughs> and you just like, "Oh, that's I so that like, seed here, was planted here, by here your mom, it and it like, yeah, here it is again." Okay, this is fate, maybe. And and like, and, so. and, he,
0: and I had no idea how to you know at that point I didn't go to school to be a teacher, so I I wasn't certified. Uh, or anything like that but he he's like yeah they're doing in st louis public they're doing a a temporary authorization certification a tac if you have college degrees so on and so forth and i mean he was a black dude and he was like you're white you know they they need they need people they will hire you instantly and and i don't know what made me i thought about it for a couple of days and I was like, man, like I'm, I'm from kind of the city. I'm used to these kind of parts. Let's do it, you know. So I, Kim knew somebody in the district who who knew the principal of Roosevelt High School at that time. I didn't even go to like 801, you know, the, the district. I, I went right to Roosevelt and interviewed with Steve Wormack. right? Steve Wormack took all my certification to 801. And did all that, so I was immediately hired. To, so, you know, because they put you in a pool, so, you know, because like you could end up anywhere. You could end up at Cleveland, you could have ended up at ROTC or Vashon, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the other ones were. But Wormack hired me that day, and he's like, well, I don't know, what, 35,000, five six, thirty six thousand, 36,000? Sound good to you? And I mean, we were kind of running real low on money at that mm-hmm. point, yeah, you know, like, anything it, tells yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that yes, yes, I'll take it. Yeah. And then slowly, but surely there I'm there. I, I think I coached softball my first year. and needed a softball coach. So now, now you're out there and like, it wasn't forest park. I forget what the other park is right there on Kings highway, but like, i mean hell there was like every other day there was a drive-by you know like oh tower grove park tower grove park yeah yeah and it was and the kids were so used to it i was used to it like i mean we we wouldn't even hit the ground most of the time we'd just keep you know hitting balls or like batting practice or whatever was going on and then slowly but surely i got into basketball i got the opportunity to take over the girls basketball program um and then you know me just being that 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 half of my dad, I, I, again, I just wanted to do something more. There was no golf programs in the PHL at that time. I don't even think there are to this day. And I was like, this, this is not right. Like, this, they, they, these kids need golf. This, this is better than basketball. This is better than football in terms of life skills and longevity. And so I reached out to the Tiger Woods Foundation. I reached out to all the PHL schools. Obviously, my principal was completely down with it. And we started the first golf program. You know, I, I told you I think I told you at when we were at the Pattonville tournament, yeah. you know, I knew the same guys that you kinda knew a little bit, you know, I've forgotten their names. Yeah, Herschel, Herschel. Herschel was, Herschel was the main component to get me to where I needed to be to get those kids on the golf course. If it wasn't for Herschel, that it would have never happened. Like Steve Warmack approved it. I get it, you know, in principle. But if it wasn't for Herschel, those guys yeah. it would have never happened. Was been Herschel
1: done. at Forest Park at that time? Yep. Is that okay?
0: Yep. Yep. Um he was like he I don't know if he had the responsibility that he does now but he was the one like i'll talk to these guys for you i'll get this approved so we i mean i had you know about 15 20 golfers and then it starts gearing down when kids realize they're not as good like anything else so i had like six or eight solid kids that were showing up every day but here's the kicker man they they allowed us to play norman j probstein for a dollar fifty a
1: kid that's amazing that's a great like, course. There's no beautiful like, course. To,
0: like who who gets that? Like unless the Tiger Wood Foundation comes in and says something, you got Herschel fighting for us, you know, fighting for the kids. I don't know. It it, just, it was it was it was cool to see that happen for the first time for me to do something outside the box. That's incredible. And that's so. what
1: it takes. It takes people believing. And putting in that effort and, uh, you know, maybe putting their neck on the line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that was the case, but uh, now Herschel's just a great guy and it's good to see. And as you said, golf and life, I, I mean, I think because golf is so difficult, and I tell David this, and I'm learning that yeah, this myself, it's even when you think you've got it figured out, it like you. It, it, that's when you some, get donkey kicked. Yeah, exactly. And that's like life. You think I've got this figured out, and something happens, and it's is like, oh, I've got to relearn. Yeah. You know, it's even in my life. I think I have a lot of wisdom at forty six. Yeah. But it, it's just like whoa. Then I realize how much I don't know, which Correct. which keeps it interesting. Yep. So I mean, golf is that. That's what that was. <laughs> what
0: was always amazing for Tiger to me. I never understood. Like you were so good, but he just he wanted to All right, i gotta learn to to do it this way or i know he, he knew if i'm gonna age i'm gonna have to change my swing this way and, and you know it could have gone either way with his with his body but yeah. obviously the car accident you know hurt him traumatically in terms of long term but but his his ability to want to get better when like it, think about that motivate like i'm the best in the world man I'm a billionaire, man. Like I got the best endorsements in the world, man. Like I got everything I need, man, for the all my kids for the rest of their life, man.
1: But but I I need to to get better. Exactly. Yeah.
0: You know, and I'm not done yet, and I'm gonna chase Jack. Like that's cool to me. That's life to me, right? Like, you know, we, we all we talk about the cancer, right? You know, I've had cancer, so you're gonna die no, I'm not like that. That's your opinion. You know, like you're great. Okay. Well, thank you. But like, I want to be better. You know, like that, that was the thing where, when people were doubting my diagnosis, like I just, I didn't see it. And my daughter was two, man. You know, like there's no, if if there's a God on this planet, I'll fight him if that's what it takes, but you're not going to leave my daughter fatherless.
1: and how old, how old were you at that time I was 29 29 wow and it was yep. it was brain cancer
0: yep yep stage four brain actually it was at that time they diagnosed it stage three it was an anaplastic astrocytoma which is a pretty bad tumor but because it was large as it was and because I was I mean I was still in pretty good shape I was in really good shape at 29 honestly they uh they treated it as a stage 4 glioblast glioblastoma or glioblastoma you know my, my, <laughs> yes, all I'm right. not a doctor <laughs> it's I not know,
1: it's not a medical show serokie okay. yeah right <laughs> so you
0: know 29 years old like I, okay like i mean might have to edit this but i I, the the first thing i remember i can we can go back to the story i had a seizure car accident that was monday may 3rd
1: and that's that's what was the catalyst to you going to get checked and they realized it was a tumor
0: yep well yeah it was a yeah horrible car accident Uh, i was actually thank god i had just dropped off my daughter so she wasn't in the car she would have been traumatized couple cars i hit down manchester full seizure holy Um, cow Actually, on Manchester and McKnight, if I have my directions right. So, yeah, I was coming down Manchester, heading into a stoplight, Realize I'm having a seizure. Uh, I was on the phone with Kim, you know, Mia's mom at that time, and, I, like, it just, my hands clucked. Like, ah, like, you know, I like just have yeah. a full-blown wow. seizure, and I knew something wasn't right, but I had no control over anything. The last thing I remember was just kind of whipping the wheel because I, w- I knew I was going to hit this guy. I ended up hitting him anyway, as the police report says, uh, sent me across Manchester into the 7-Eleven on McKnight, and, like hit the like gas concrete barrier thing that protects it. Yeah car went back across manchester well, good
1: thing that concrete barrier was there Correct, man, because right? you hit a cast. yeah right yeah
0: exactly <laughs> like you see that like terminators <laughs> yeah. right it just
1: blows uh, up we're not having this conversation <laughs> so uh
0: yeah and it, my, they were building a bank or something and like my car finally came to rest uh like went through like one of the little construction boards i mean I'm, the only thing i remember like prior just to going out was like when i woke up my leg was hanging out of the car and it felt like somebody had punched me in the lip. You know, I guess I had headbutted like none of because I, I wasn't going fast enough at that point. I don't think because none of the airbags deployed unless the air, airbags were faulty. Right. Yeah. yeah. None of them you, ever deployed. You deploring. think they would
1: have with everything you're telling me. And
0: it and, you know, ended up and, and that was just probably the weirdest thing. Like, why was the door open? Why am I bleeding? You know, and then there's paramedics everywhere, obviously. Right. And, you know, the, the first question, do you, do you know your name? And I was coherent, but like it was it was like I could see my name, Mark Morrison, like on a billboard, but I couldn't verbalize it. And that was when it hit me. That's when I just started crying. Like, like this is this is something seriously wrong. wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't remember anything at that point, but they, I know between Manchester and McKnight and DePere, I don't know how many miles that is to DePere Hospital, but like four or five more seizures. Before, oh, before, man. yeah, that's insane. So to to survive that, you know, whatever. I wake up. That happened Monday, May third. I woke up Wednesday, May fifth, with a halo drilled in my head. That's how I woke up. Like those steel, like Shark Tank things. Did you break um, your
1: neck in the accident?
0: No, they had. They I was having so many seizures. Oh, yeah. They the only way they could get MRIs was to brace me into a halo. Like, gotcha. Drilled in. So that was like weird, you know, just waking up that way. Pretty scary. Yeah,
1: I will bet. And did you know car accident and all that? So they do the MRI and they realize it's a brain tumor. Yep. And so at this point, what do you? So twenty nine years old. That's the, you know, it's worse. Some of the worst news you can hear. You expect, brain, you know, cancer to be later in life. Yeah. Uh, what What is your reaction to that when When you hear that news?
0: So, you know, my athletes will be proud of me. You know, my parents weren't so proud of me. But uh, I, I remember waking up, you know, realizing I have a halo on. And you got to understand, so this is you know, Monday, May 3rd. And I'm waking up thinking it's Monday, right? It's Wednesday. It's two days later. Right? Gotcha, yeah. My brother lives in New York with his family. Right. My parents are in Chicago. I'm in, I'm in De Pere Hospital. You know, and, and I wake up and I'm like, "How the hell did you guys get here so fast? Like, you know, <laughs> how the hell did you guys, you know?" And then you know, everyone's crying, and it was it was like, "Okay, this is serious." I, I now I realize I'm I have a halo drilled in, and the the doctor I don't even remember his that doctor maybe Doctor Simpson or Sampson, uh, says, Mr. Morrison, you know, you have a brain tumor, and like. you know, Blah, blah, blah. We got to do all this stuff to you. And I'm like, pardon my French. I'm like, do you know who the hell I am? Like, you know, I'm Mark Morrison, man. Like, I just played ball. Like, I'm coaching. Like, it, there's no way. Like, there's no way, man. And you're like, in your and now, shape. You, yeah, like, we're there, eating there, healthy there's, at there's the time. No, Yeah, man. Like, to this day, like, there's no way. And everyone starts crying more, you know. And now I know it's really serious and, you know. Whatever. Long story short, they had already done the biopsy, sent that out. Um, So they had, you know, the Perry Hospital was wonderful, man. I don't remember much of it because, I mean, I was I was so many seizures throughout the time, like probably ten throughout the stay there, and then just the amount of, you know, Dilantin and all the different seizure pills that I was on, I was kind of kind of out of the world. But um, then they immediately started setting me up, which is here. Here's the crazy thing, too, right? I could have gone to Chicago. I could have stayed in Pennsylvania. I could have stayed in New York. I come to Missouri,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Have a seizure. Have biopsy. You have brain cancer. My brother, you know, being very smart, knowledgeable, having con- contacts, you know, he we, we send samples out to Johns Hopkins. We send uh, samples out to Houston to one of the other big brain cancer clinics, and. We started doing research, and you know, like, I'll be damned, Doctor Ralph Dacey, out of Wash U, Big Barnes, he's the number one neurosurgeon in the world.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of sharp doctors at like, Barnes. I like, do do a like, lot of work like, over there. It's like, great.
0: Like, just what are the odds of that? Like, like, you're not here with the number four guy, the number five guy. Like, you're in the town, 30 minutes away, from the number one guy in the world.
2: Yeah.
0: We're going to him. You know, great golfer. Also, he's <laughs> a he's an old Hickory member good dude good dude man
1: and so he does okay so you at this point you've got the number one guy you go over to big Barnes, and then how, how long after this was a surgery was it pretty quick did you have to wait a little while did you did they excise it right away did you do any radiation how what happened at this point
0: so yeah you know it's it's not just dr Dacey at this point right the, you, yeah they, you know that they, yeah, yeah, they put teams. together like the dream team oh, of yeah. of doctors man uh I don't know all those. I know like all the guys that I met personally that were dealing with what I was dealing with, but I don't know the whole team. Um, No, it did not go as planned most of the time. You know, you know, we were gonna do again. So the odds, right? Crazy. Like, well, three to five years to survive if you survive the surgery. You know, fifty-fifty chance surviving the surgery. You know, ninety-eight percent chance you might not survive this. It was all these just different numbers, man. And that's where I just shut. I just shut that out at that yeah. point. I'm like, I'm not dying. You guys can cry. You guys can prepare for burial. You know, funerals and whatever. I'm not dying. Now I, I couldn't believe anything else because the, the odds weren't favorable right and
1: the stats are based on other patients and all that so that's not me you're that two percent so you can't look at the 98 percent. you have to look at i am the i am the two percent in this in this case and and this just to know that
0: this little beautiful girl is two years old like i'm not it's not gonna happen yeah um so yeah long story short like we we, you know you have mris 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 because they're fine tuning i guess where they're gonna cut and how far they can go in and da, 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 da. So I've done, I mean, I've had thousands of MRIs now, probably 500 at that time. And we're, we're a go, right? We're a go. Mm -hmm. So again, the the odds weren't in my favor and I wasn't going to go out being miserable, stuck at home. That that wasn't my personality. It wasn't my, it wasn't, it wasn't how anyone in this planet knows me. So we went to the casino. (laughs) (laughs) We had a good dinner. We have a good dinner. You know, we had some drinks. You know, everyone's having fun. I get to see the smiles because that's what I wanted to remember, right, going into this thing, not knowing if I was going to come out. Go home. You know, it's like 8 o'clock. I'm I'm kissing my daughter goodnight, kissing my mom because everyone had moved in. Yeah, yeah. My parents had bought the condo next to us. The whole family's there. My my friends pulled the cars in. Everyone from Chicago's there. Hugh, Alvie, you know my brother, his wife, all the kids. My grandmother was still alive. Gigi, God, God bless you, man. Uh, my obviously my mom and dad, and we had this ritual like we we do a little prayer, or like whatever, and and then we'd go to bed. Well, that night it was like eight o'clock. Yep, we get a phone call. Nope, not doing the surgery. So it like goes through this whole preparation yeah, yeah. for the first day, and canceled. So, I mean, a, a little bit of relief, but there's frustration. Like, how many? I, I'm not trying to prepare to die more than once. You know, I'm not trying to say goodbye to my daughter more than once. Yeah. So the next day, kind of the same routine. You know, we, we, we don't go to the casino that time, but we go out, we have, you know, have dinner or whatever. And about nine o'clock, you know, going through the same routine, boom, phone call. No, we need more MRIs. We're not doing it again. So they bring me in, you know, Hugh and Alvy, and them are with me. My brother's with me, and now, start the cool science starts to happen. Now I'm one of the first 500 people to do this new MRI thing that like magnifies 10,000 times more than a normal MRI. Now you can see the fibers mm-hmm. of the brain tumor connecting to the fibers of my brain and like this hollow skull frame of mine, like this little DJ, the little wheel thing. And I'm in there getting this done and my you know, Hugh and Alvy, my brother and all of them are just like, Oh my God, I can see your brain. I can see you. Like, so we were like, making it fun. But uh ultimately I think that that patience, that that um Rigidness of them saying we're not going in and opening this kid's head up till we know exactly what we're going to do um, is what maybe save the paralysis, saved my life. Um, so, yeah. So then that happens the next day. Yeah.
1: And, and there's so much they know with their technology you don't know so it's frustrating and they're like but we're right on the cusp of having this yeah so however many more days or weeks don't cancel
0: it all the time for them they're good with that yeah so they
1: yeah they're top notch
0: so yeah so then i wake up the next day and um
1: and this is after this once you finally do have the surgery
0: nope no this is this is the after that mri we go okay that new mri okay and you know now we're on right so it's it's go day you know you need to be here tomorrow 6 a.m check in da, 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 please wear comfortable clothes and you know parking passes of this will be validated and you know, all this long conversation that means nothing to me
1: well that's what family comes into play for that kind of thing yeah. they they can handle yeah. all that yeah and assist and you just focus on the healing and so and getting prepared and
0: so yeah so we're up we're up at five in the morning man and you know i remember my my brother, like you' ready to go and i'm like man i'm 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 ready to do this, and I have a you know seven hundred hour suit on like to the nines like nice cufflinks, tie bar brand new shoes you know i'm if, this is if I'm gonna die, this is how you guys are gonna remember me and I'm just some raggedy you know comfy clothes, and I'll never forget like you know it's hard saying goodbye to your daughter before you get checked in and you know, going into the you know pre-op and all that stuff, and I just remember these ladies in in the pre-op in barns like, did you did you not get the message about wearing something comfortable? And I was like, I look good, don't I? Though, like, yeah, you know, it was just me. Like, I look good, though. And uh, they, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna need like 16 bags to put all this clothes in. Like, I, I don't need like two bags. So I remember like putting everything yeah. full, like military, like yeah, full. Yeah. It was brand new, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then going to the uh, where, where they're going to do anesthesia, so they're you know doing your heart rate and all that stuff, and the anesthesiologist is there, and, and Dr. Dacey comes in, right? And so I had a picture of my daughter, the same tattoo that I have here. I had that picture taped on my chest, you know, and I was like, because if God forbid I die during the surgery, like, the, you know, I'm with her. It was just my. It was my mark at that point. It was the best picture I'd had of
1: her. And then and they're like, looking at it. Oh, we got to take extra special yeah, care. They're correct. seeing that little girl. Yeah, I mean they're top notch anyway. Definitely, but it's like yeah, you get a little, maybe a little extra.
0: So and then Dacey comes in. He's like, "How you doing, man?" I'm like, "I'm ready, man." Like, "Are you ready?" He's like, "Oh, I'm ready." He was very like dry, but straight to the point, cold like corporate guy though, man. Like, what a just cool dude. I, I, oh, I don't yeah, know, yeah. What he if I could hang out with him more and go play around with him, that would it would be super cool one day. But um Well again, good. Ho-
1: hopefully you won't be a stranger and you'll come back no, every now definitely, and then. Man, and, uh, I got family uh, yeah.
0: here, man. You know, Britt's family's here, so you know, we'll always be here. My daughter's you know, family's here. I'll always, St. Louis will always hold a special place in my heart, man.
1: Fantastic. It's um, good to hear.
0: But yeah, so so you know I remember just looking at Ralph Daisy in his eye and like, if I, if I survive this I'm going to whoop your ass at Old Hickory, you know? And I remember him <laughs> just giving me that shitty grin, like, <laughs> but he was back to business, you know, like, all right, how you feeling? You know, like immediately back to business. Yeah, I guess um, this is where, like, again, mad love to my, my friends. You know, they know who they are, Alvy Hugh and all them, my brother, uh, my mom and dad, like, my job was easy, dude. Like, I either woke up or I didn't when I go back and think about it. You know, because I go under anesthesia, like I'm either waking up or I don't. Right. My parents had to sit there for almost 14 hours. Yeah.
1: It's agonizing. Yeah. You and know, for the caregivers, the family. Yeah, it's agonizing.
0: And yeah. then and then months later, my parents, I hear my parents telling a story. So they they, you know, there's another people family waiting Um, their son is going through surgery. I don't think it was something like mine, but something very, you know. Stressful and through the 12 hours doctors come and tell them that their son has passed mm-hmm. so now like to, when when i'm hearing them and that's like, got to you know, be the worst yeah like the 12 hours you guys get to meet each other yeah 12 hours you're worried about me and now here's a friend that you guys have kind of befriended whatever yeah. And oh yeah then yeah. now their son passes there's a bond there when you have that yeah, similar right? conditions and you now were. now you're extra worried and you feel horrible for them because you don't want to feel that way, but you you know, you know want to give them kind of the respect, like, God, ah, that's a horrible loss for you. So I can only imagine, man, I, I, it was hard, but, like, what my parents had to go through was definitely harder when I look at it from that perspective.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah. You know? So you get the surgery, and a lot of times at the hospitals, for those who don't know, but I think people do because hospitals have good media, mm-hmm. I do some work with them. And like, like in the uh, like kids with cancer, like when you get through, done with their treatment, they ring a bell and all that. Yep. So you get done with your surgery. You told me the story. I love this story. You get done with your surgery. <laughs> yeah. And granted, you're not through. And I don't know if you had, did you have chemo or things after the, the we, tumor or any radiation just to make sure everything was gone?
0: Yeah, we did 20 rounds of chemo and radiation once I was released from the hospital. Yes.
1: But but going back to the surgery, so so of course, being Mark Morrison, you you want to do it your way. Yep. yep. All right, tell tell this story of how you get out of the surgery. This is priceless. I love this. So uh, so yeah, I'm still in the
0: ICU at this at this point, and I I don't know. So I the, 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 when I woke up, I was kind of blind because of the swelling on my brain, um, and I remember immediately the doors opening and. I could hear, you know, Albie's voice, Hugh's voice, my dad's voice, my mom's voice, and, and then and we all, I was just touching all of their hands, and they were all like, so proud of you, blah, 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 blah. And um, that was kind of my only inter- interaction with them at that point because it was still open wound in my head, and, you know, different things could set in, right? And and I remember my buddy Albie saying, like, because they've been there 12 hours, this dude's 6'10, like, Two eighty, and he's like, he's good. Can we go eat now? <laughs> like, yeah. That was that was, that was how this whole the as the the book that I'm writing, the the funny parts start. Then so that night, you know, I still have a like a hole, a half a hole here, but there's a tube draining the the blood out of my head for yeah. the swelling. Yeah, and um, I don't remember my nurse's name. God love her, but um, you know, I and I had the. They explained to me like I had my little morphine thing here and then I had the little nurses thing, you know, but I couldn't see. So it was this kind of a feel thing. Well, I wake up in the middle of the night and this is the second day now. I wake up in the middle of the night and I am just freezing. I am like wet, sticky, and I can't see. And it's pitch black in my room because it's dark. So I'm hitting this button like nurse, nurse, nurse. Right. Nope. That was the morphine button, mm-hmm. right? So there's only a limit, right? Like they're not like, like your OD, but but now I'm in like La La yeah. Land, still sticky, still wet, still freezing, and finally I must have hit the nursing thing. I hear the door you know, open up and then the lights come on and she's just like Oh my God. Oh my God. I guess the like the blood little like container yeah. had spilled completely on me so i am just uh, covered in blood right it's like a scene from
1: carrie <laughs> <laughs> She's like, a mass,
0: mass murder a, has occurred in the ICU. a prank on them yeah <laughs> and you know whatever they get me cleaned up and you know she was awesome we, we i i met her one more time before i went to uh you know to my own private room so yeah so then you know now it's time to you know we're getting out of icu which we're, we're moving in the right direction and yeah you know <laughs>
2: uh, like. A-
0: They're, 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 you've got a private room on whatever the 12th floor, and we got to move you. So they bring in a wheelchair, and I, you know, you have your little, you know, saline solution or whatever that still have attached to you. And, um, they removed the drain from my head, and, you know, they're like, let's go. So we're, you got to get in this wheelchair. And I look at my mother, and I'm like, mom, like, I told you, like, I'm, if I beat this, I'm I'm walking out of here. I'm not getting in a wheelchair. I'm not. In a, they started telling me all this legal mumbo jumbo about you know falling and this and that, and I'm like, I'm not gonna fall. You know, first of all, I'm holding on to this IV thing, like I'm not gonna fall. But like, you can put the wheelchair behind me. You know, in case my you know maybe my knees will buckle or my legs will get shaky. So I right, we agree with that. So we're good. And we, you know, the IZU doors open up again, and, and I walk out. And I'm telling you, like, I don't know how many it was probably five or six nurses. And immediately, these ladies stand up, and, you know, they're clapping and, you know, whistling. <laughs> and, you know, like, I'm like, I'm looking at my mom, like, see, I told like, you, like, I'm walking out of here. This is my
1: bell ring moment. <laughs> yes, yeah, this, is, this
0: is my moment. And everyone in this floor knows what I just beat and the odds uh, that, that were against me. And the whistling gets louder. Yeah. And the clapping gets louder and there's smiles. And I'm just, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, my head is so big right now. It, it was ridiculous. So I get it. We get into the elevator, right. We get in the elevator being, you know, we, we, and, and I knew something was kind of up, you know, cause my mom, she's, my mom was God, she's just awesome. She's, she's a saint, but she's a, she's cold hearted when she needs to be. you know? And, uh, Bing, you know the door opens and i get out and i mean i don't even make the turn i don't even know how they could see me at that point you know but all of a sudden there's <laughs> there's whistling and there's clapping and and i'm like i look back at my mom again and i'm like i told you like i'm gonna be famous like people know <laughs> yeah, <you're fine. laughs> what mark morrison did yeah. right now they, they know i beat stage four brain i just be i survived this surgery mm-hmm. you know and we get down the hallway, and I get in my door, and I'm thinking like I'm, you know, my swagger's going, and I'm feeling good, you know, especially after three days prior having, you know, brain surgery. And my mom slams that door like I stole something, and you know, and I'm like, what the hell? What are you doing, mom? She's like, Mark Allen Morrison. When when I use that middle mm-hmm. name, yeah, us, yeah. to this oh, day yeah. she still does. Mark Allen Morrison, you're so effing vain. And I said, what are you talking about? She goes, none of those people even know who you are. Your white ass is all out in the gown. You're naked under the gown. That's what they were whistling at the whole time. Not you, not your cancer, (laughs) <laughs> that that you're just in a gown uh, with nothing on under it. So. Uh, just
1: parading around. Just parading just like, around, yeah. man. At, just look rolling me. out like look what a, I did. a nice spa, you know. Hey, but I, I can't blame you, man. It's like you did. Getting through that surgery is huge. So, yeah, you want to celebrate have yeah. a little parade. But, yeah, man. It was, <laughs> and there, <laughs> I tell you what, I mean, just knowing a lot of nurses and what they're, I bet you that story is still circulating. That's somewhere... So you're, you're was, a legend. They just don't know your name. They just correct. know you're the white ass guy. That white ass boy. Walking around. That's a, <laughs> that's a great story. So so now you're, you know, you're all these years through cancer free. I know you were talking about one of one of the uh, training days that you had you had to go get your MRI after one of the matches or whatnot. Yep. Um, so everything's free and clear doing well. Yeah. No reoccurrence. Nice.
0: Uh, that's, you know, we do that check every six months. Now it's every year. Um, uh, so yeah, we, I just, you know, it's like your car, we just go and get it checked up, make sure nothing's doing anything crazy and, and listen to the doctors, man. You know, it, it's something I live with. You know, I take seizure pills every day. Um, it, it's just something you just, again, it's just another discipline. It's another regimen. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to, excuse me, not take this pill because I don't want to have a seizure. I mean, people don't, people don't realize having a seizure is one thing, but with my diagnosis, if I have a seizure and I go to the hospital, I lose my license for six months. You know, I can't drive for six months. So like now you've just taken my my independence away from me. Yeah. You know, and, and I get it. But, you know, then if I have another seizure within those six months, I lose my license for a year. You no know, you know, what are you supposed to do? You know, like yeah, you know, the, the, chauffeurs and uh, you know say God, I'll yeah. give Miss Voris Jessica Voris, man, at Zoomwall North. I had my seizure two or three years ago. Right before, right after a volleyball camp, before we're going to travel camp at Rolla and uh, you know, coming out having a great practice and see you guys at eight in the morning for Rolla camp. Get out to that four-year area right outside the gym, and my hand clenched you know, it was one of my auras, so I immediately sat down, knew I was gonna have a seizure, had a seizure, and then like you know, the car accident was scary, let me tell you, right? And not to crack jokes, right, about seizures, but when you wake up from a seizure and there's 40 volleyball teenage girls crying around you, that's some scary shit right there. Like, it was like, like, like <laughs> yeah. when I see girls crying, it's like seeing my yeah. daughter cry. Like, yeah. Now nah, nah, I'm immediately going to cry, you know? So that, that was scary, man. Like, and then, so like I couldn't drive, you know, and we're, whatever, June, July, August, now work starts, right? I got three more months that I can't drive. Miss Voris picked me up every day from from this condo. And, and drove me to work and if i didn't have someone take me home she would take me home right and 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 she would she wouldn't let me pay for gas sometimes she let me buy her coffee you know what i mean every now and then she let me pay gas but
1: well, well that just shows how dedicated i mean educators are yeah and, yeah. and you're doing you know especially you're, i mean i think you're doing god's work special education is i mean that's got to be probably more tougher than regular education i mean you're you, you really have to have to work a lot harder to get, you know, to, to help those kids get get results. Uh, so that's that's pretty amazing. That's why I wanted to, you know, say that. that thank you for your service. You no, know, kind of, kind of it's it. so important to teaching those kids. So talk a little bit about just your experience with the special education and just some of the challenges, some of the uh, rewards that you've dealt with and that you've experienced over the years.
0: Uh, for me, it's all been rewards. You know, knowing, I know for a fact, have a connection to thousands of kids that some way or another via sports or a special ed class that I was involved with you to where we could have dialogue, I honestly believe I've changed thousands of kids' paths. Absolutely. That, that for me, is the reward. Uh, you know we you know you make good money on Wall Street, right like I yeah. didn't get to make great money like I didn't get to that point, but I made better money than I did teaching right so that you should know going into teaching you're not gonna get paid well and and that's obviously not why you do it. The things that that I've seen starting from you know where I went to school. You know the kind of privilege I had, being middle class, and then going to high school where the, the the demographics were changing, and then coming to St. Louis and seeing, you know, it was a reality check. I mean, 29 years old, I didn't have much money. You know, I mean, well, I was, well, I was 23 when I started working at Roosevelt, but I didn't have much. You know what I mean? And these kids had nothing. I had a car with a heater and air conditioning, yeah. and could these kids were sitting on the bus stop at 19 degree weather for two hours going to roosevelt
1: that's very humbling yeah
0: you know, know like i didn't i don't know if this kid's eaten and i don't know if he's seen his mom or dad in two days that was reality to me and of of making a difference right like if you want to teach then you got to reach and and that's what i felt i was reaching to these kids you know i, I whatever you needed whatever I had that day if a kid said he was hungry I gave him my lunch you know I bought him lunch that was for me the reality check of how good I had it Mm -hmm. even though growing up I didn't think I had it that good just to see the poverty and the the, they acted like they didn't want help but they really wanted the help Mm -hmm. and that kind of trust and then building those relationships i mean i had no education training and being a teacher man like i kind of taught how i was taught Mm -hmm. and talk talk to kids how adults talk to me and that was where i learned how like you're until we build a relationship no one's gonna learn here and that was where i dedicated my i guess you'd say my why to teaching is i just wanted to i wanted to to talk and have dialogue and help as many kids that wanted it.
1: Mm-hmm. And and you you look at I mean just from uh, the stats, you know, a lot of those kids didn't have fathers or father figures. Correct. So t- t- for you being that person's huge. Yeah. I mean like you said that can change the trajectory. Yeah. You know that little you're looking at physics, you know, that, that little bit of love you were giving them, boom, send them, you know, off into that different direction. Hey, like if you're in space, yeah. you know, that little, just that little bit can really alter everything.
0: I remember a kid, My probably like my fourth, fifth month, that first year at Roosevelt. And, you know, I'm on kids. So you're going to sit down when I tell you, going to be on time, you know, just the basic stuff. But they weren't used to that. Mm-hmm and then you know i had a couple of rough days with a kid and you know i didn't i didn't back down you know i still at that point i was more of uh the king mentality of i'd rather be feared than loved you know because i was a white male in a predominantly you know african american district and maybe three other white teachers so like you you know you you had to know your way but i i'm going to set the tone here i'm going to set it real quick yeah the fourth month kid walked he's like mr morrison mm-hmm. You're a real punk, man. <laughs> but I can tell that you give a shit. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that hit me like, I, you know, I get it. Like, I, I know I'm hard. I know I could be a punk. But if you get it, then yeah. we we and we never had a problem. You know, after that, and that that's where to me that that's what I pride myself in is building relationships and just talking with kids because that's that's what this is all about. Like, I mean, yeah, the education. I mean, I teach physical science. Okay, cool. But the that, that things that I've taught these kids in between those little physical science yeah. lessons just about life and not to, you know, be aloof and go, go talk to people and not hug the hallway walls. Like, talk to people. Mm-hmm. Like, it, not everyone's for you, but until you start figuring out who's for you, you have nobody, right? So, yeah, just going out and doing something, right? Making your mind up and doing something that you're not going to be. I mean, high school is an experience, right? You know, I had a great high school experience. It was rough, but like these kids, they don't have those social IQs. Those and,
1: relationships are important, and that's what, like I had mentioned at the bank with the golf banquet, that that's one thing that the golf team's never going to forget is those relationships. You never forget those. If <laughs> you want to say hi? You don't bark. You never forget those teachers that meant something to you. That's just something you'll carry on, and hopefully, some of those students will be, you will carry that on, and they'll they'll emulate that and then they'll be changing the trajectory of somebody else's life down the line. So it's a circle. Yeah. What is that circle?
0: Yeah. You, you, I, I forget a lot of stuff, but man, Mr. Becker, Ms. Savek, uh, Mr. Badka, you know, low Lucas, these, I mean, those guys were the guys in my life. It wasn't for them, you know, keeping me in my place, my little knucklehead getting me to class I'd never I would have got out of Chicago and, and and came and became what I what I am now. You know, it, it wouldn't have happened. You know, those guys kept me in line, and they were great guys. They were hard on me, man. My dad was even harder on me, but that's what it takes, right? I mean, it's corny, like it takes a village. But in, in and that, that time it was like we, you know, we'd leave at seven in the morning. I'd be three towns over. Being Broadview on a bike, mm-hmm. my parents had no idea where I was at. No cell phone. It was no different pa- times. Yeah, you yeah, know? it was a good time to grow you know, up. It was, but,
1: I mean, we're similar age. Yeah, it was yeah, those. It was always on your bike. Yeah. You were just there was no cell phones. So Man, they didn't.
0: No. we're we're rolling around basketball court to basketball court trying to get games. You know, just you know stopping and getting a, a slice of pizza in quarters. You know, or it's <laughs> drinking out of the out of the water hose out of the back. Like you know, that. That was where. That's how I remember it.
1: Let's uh let's jump forward so we're uh you know you're moving on. Yeah. So uh you know this last year for both your basketball team and your uh your golf team was the Last Dance. The Last so, Dance. So that was a big one for you and being, you know, that Chicago sports fan and the, the great documentary The Last Dance which I just started watching this today. It's been on my list and I had to watch at least a little bit of it before we talked and it's uh, so phenomenal. I still
0: I have it saved, man. It's yeah. I I watch it at least once a month. I'll 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 yeah. play it back. If there's nothing on TV I'm I'm rolling the last no, dance. That's good to baby. watch. But
1: yeah. well, your last dance, so you had it and, and I wasn't privy to the basketball. But how how did your basketball team do for the last dance? We'll give a little, little, little well, talk a little bit about that, but we'll go to to golf yeah. and as we move on.
0: Well we got better. Right. Yeah. You know, we were four and twenty four two seasons ago, um, after coming off you know, that, that that we had a great team for a great run for four years. I wanna Couple district titles. I think we fell short a little bit of sectionals, um, and then again, like for me, when you don't have that talent pool like some schools do, and we and we can't recruit every year is to get better, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So we went from four games and we won, I think, eleven games. So that's an improvement to me. Yeah, you yeah, know? it's a growth. Growth yeah. is important at the, the high girls school girls level. important. Um, they figured out, you know, Weiskopf's. You know, coaching style better, and they see the future. They see what he's trying to do, and they've they've bought in, right? And now you got younger kids coming up that he's been around and have sent camps to, and 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 been training for a couple of years as they come up, and they've bought in. So now you got you got two groups of kids, you know, different age groups coming in and have already bought in the program. One group that's already in the building, one group coming into the building. Now, now you're going to start to see a change in that basketball program, in my opinion. You're always going to have your, you know, your incarnates and whatever. You know, To this day, put it on the mic, they should be playing their own state tournaments, right? Yeah, it's With, almost
1: like, I mean, private schools, it's almost like recruiting because
0: you can... They go out 30 miles yeah, outside absolutely. their circle. And then guys move in their circle that you know they're related. I mean, I I understand. I don't know if they
1: actively recruit, but I mean, parents can actively shop around and decide what school they want to go to. Where public school you cannot, wherever you live, what we get, you know. And I'm
0: cool with that. I'll play you guys twice a year, right? But like, we shouldn't be sharing the same trophy at the end of the year. I'll buy the trophy. That's okay, (laughs) right? Incarnate, go play the other private schools, and let, let us play our public schools. Let's see who the best of the best is there. Then maybe like making another fun game. Let's do, let's do private, you know, private public after that for yeah, another yeah. trophy, right? Like it just seems, seems like logical the World to Series. Me. You
1: got you got the National League and the American League, and then you know you got your National League champion your American League, and then the, that's a World Series champion. I agree.
0: I agree. Yeah, yeah that's you know? an
1: interesting. Yeah, I, I like so that. so I,
0: I agree. Like we now going to golf. Like all right. So you saw in our, our golf season. You know, we 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 track. Every match, right, as the girls do, we track who the low was in every match, and those kids get points, right, kind of like the FedEx Cup. And that's how, as the season progresses, we find the player of the year for the GAC, north, south, or whatever division you're in. The girls don't do any of that, right? So so the girl could, you know, one girl could win every golf match, against every team
1: all year. Yeah, and did not and get have credit one,
0: for have one bad day at the GAC tournament and the other girl wins the title.
1: Oh, that's, yeah, they need to, it's they not they right, need to right? install that. Yeah. So
0: so as a, as a when I got involved with the girls, which was a couple of years now, when I found out, I'm like, this is crazy, man. Like, if parents and people who really knew the game knew what we were doing for the boys and not for the girls, there would be some hell to be raised here. So I'm hoping that that little bit of influence I had there will will change that, you know, because it's not right, you know.
1: Now, and it wouldn't be that hard to do, I no, don't think. It's, yeah. it's
0: just do what we're already doing and and hell, half the boys coaches are assistant or or the girls coaches anyway. Yeah, so it not like they have to learn no, a lot. <laughs> are you kidding me? So it, I know. It's it just seemed it seemed like they were getting cut short. Um and it's fun for the kids to watch like, oh, I'm I'm 12th, I'm 10th and and then that's how you find first team, second team, because it's the top ten golfers. Then and they te- they keep two alternates. Um, See, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's the, the fundamentals. We always go back to Title Nine. We had a lot of Title Nine issues in the city because the funding wasn't there, you know. But like you have to fund the football team, you have to fund the basketball team. But I don't know. The golf season, we've never been very good at North. You know, I've had I've had great golfers, but it's It's a tough conference, man you know we are in a country club conference, and we're not a country club school. We have kids that have come through that have been country club members, uh, and those kids have played well, but you know, as you've learned this year, like Dusty has learned, and you know like it, it it's you need four scores, yeah, right? yeah, five kids are playing, you can bring six, but I need four scores for us to beat you, yeah. And then, you know, there's 11 points there and, you know, you got six for the match for the low and you got five for the match play, which is comes down to be very important as as you start to see the numbers, you know, because you could win, you know, you could win the low and, and get your six points. But, you know, David could have be the low man of the day and get 10 points for player of the year and win his match. So I'm cool with losing 6-5 to somebody, you know, cuz they they beat us by two or three strokes. But now when you're losing 11 nothing, when they're winning the stroke play and all the matches yeah. and we're not getting kids on the the point pedestal to where they're moving up the ladder for mm-hmm. player of the year. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that's where it becomes difficult. You know, then then you have which was this is god my 8 years. This is the worst, you know, mother nature experience of all time it was you know yeah, like was, i've had blizzards i've had <laughs> snow in the beginning you know snow in the middle of bogey hill i've had it all but the the amount of rain and wind and the temperatures was it was miserable it was tough on these kids this year i think man. the
1: seasons are changing because that look at how last year and it was almost halloween and it was still like almost 90 degree days Correct. so i think our seasons are are changing
0: so yeah, it's yeah that was it was I mean I there was days where I didn't want to I mean it, they had to beg me to get out of the clubhouse you know like just because it's different <laughs> yeah. when you're driving you're not playing and walking and you're just driving around in a golf cart you yeah know, like exactly. it's cold man
1: yeah that's we're why driving. walked I, all I walked, the time. I loved it, Except a few times but hey, just tell just for I, I just want to get this story down so David has this and uh, and they don't listen to this podcast. But uh, tell the story when you first met David. I just uh, You told it at the banquet, and it's great. Just so we have something he can listen to in yeah. 30 years and be like, look at those two old geezers talking yeah, about, about me in this podcast.
0: So, uh, I mean, I, we, we were definitely there for the typical summer camp. Uh, you know, my memory kind of fades with certain I think, things. I think
1: it was during the season. So it was like during the season, uh, yeah, he, he was able to come check so the we just, team So we were, out. We were just
0: practicing that Yeah, occasion. just a regular okay. practice.
1: Right, David? Oh, against East. Okay, so yeah, you are, it was a tournament against East.
0: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I well, the, the story I remember was you know, being at Cave, and you know I knew whether we had met or not, if you had already come to the East match or not, or your grandfather, um, but I got you know I had my golfers, you know. I, these kids again they think they're good golfers but you know, they just never really performed you know where they needed to be uh for us to win matches let me say that right and and then i don't know probably i, I four, love the way you said it to make with this
1: elderly gentleman <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it but but i remember i remember the sound first like that's you know that's that's how you know like linda woods over there practicing when they when they swing on the ball it just it makes a different sound and there's a christmas there's a squareness that comes to that contact and i'm hearing that sound consistently consistently and i'm like well hell that's none of my guys you know like <laughs> I, i've been here all well, easy with these guys Like i know that's not any of my guys and then i saw him swinging and saw his form saw his balance and uh yeah, man. And I think at that point was that right, was that when I think his grandfather was like, "Yeah, yeah this yeah. is my son, he, you know, grandson. He's gonna be yeah. transferring." And I'm like, "Well, you better come to North, you know." And, and I remember because it was like the year before that that the same thing happened when I met Trey. Yeah, yeah, you know, and his dad had interviewed at North for the basketball position, the same as Dusty as I, and I interviewed for that position. But you know, I was coming off you know ninety day family medical leave when my dad had a stroke and eventually passed away and then another 60 days to take care of my mom so they didn't hire him either and then because they didn't hire him he sent his kid to east Mm -hmm. you know and and went and played for them but yeah so that that's a uh a good story i mean i the sound again that he was hitting and I mean, hell, he was in eighth grade at that. What?
1: What? What? what no, it was, he was ninth grade ninth at grade, that grade, point. Yeah. Grade.
0: But these were all varsity kids. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you can come play for me right now. Like, yeah. you know, just, I'll kick one Which of these kids would, off. would have right? been great. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Had he been in the district, yeah. I think he yeah, he would have been able to play that but, team. Yeah. He'd have
0: played for that team. No problem. No problem. But,
1: uh, yeah, but at that point, I think they had bought the house and they knew he was going to go to North. And so it was like, okay, let's meet the coach, at least get uh, a heads up and. And know a little bit more about the team, know how to prepare, all those kind of things. Yeah. So he's at Hiswood West at that point. But, we, you know, uh, we don't
0: have that kind of I don't know what Liberty and those guys do. You know, I, I know what they need to be doing and they need to be playing, and, and you need to get a swing, get a swing yeah. coach or something. Yeah. You know, like that, that's not where we, as coaches, in my opinion, that's not what I'm paid to do. Yeah. Right. Like I, I can work on the little things, the basics, you know, the things I know, the things that I know work and the things that I know are correct. But after that, like, I'm not a PGA pro, right? Like, I'm I'm a special ed teacher. You know, mm-hmm. you, you know if we bring your kid and do some physical science lessons. <laughs> yeah, I'm your <laughs> guy. Like, I, I will have that down 100%. But, you know, the swing mechanics and the technology, man, there's just so much more out oh, there for God. these guys.
1: Yeah, that's and, a full-time job in itself, so yeah. you can't.
0: And, and that's you know, another thing I pride myself with is that, like, those guys all have the option to work at Bear Creek to work at cave springs and get those benefits that 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 dan and those guys are offering that's taken me eight years and you know dan is the first guy like see people don't understand the behind the scenes of this stuff right t-shirts come out hats come out we've ordered all this stuff dan and and kurt porter those are the first guys to get hats because they don't have to take our money they can let another high school come in there and, and screw this all up right so you got to take my dad taught me that right like I met the the head Mizzou volleyball coach at that time. A husband and wife, right? They're there. They're there catering us, paying for everything. I bought him and her Coronas. You know, like, yeah. like you're gonna we're gonna have a conversation. You're gonna know who I am because not many people buy you drinks. Right? Simple
1: gestures go the, a long way. Simple, That's what I do. So That's simple what I tell that he David.
0: did. You know, yes sir, yes ma'am. Right? Like opening the door for people. Yeah. Right? I got that. Here, toss the ball back for you. You know, like fix a divot for him. Like, they don't have to pay for you to be there right now, right? They don't have to bring you to these courses or do any of these things for you. But giving them that little bit of, I mean, Dan probably never wore an FZN hat ever. His kid went to East, you know, so he's probably not wearing that. But just that gesture well, that every year.
1: so such a long way. Yeah, it's huge. You know, it's huge. Every so thank you we, cards. A handwritten thank yeah. you card in this day and age, more digital, goes a long way.
0: Every day it's Snibos, you know hickey or these guys you know like we're friends now because they know it's a little different when you're not coming back to the district you know hey i'm at snybo's come hang out right and that's you know they they have more money than me you know like so they make more money than me but i buy the drinks because like you're my boss you didn't you didn't have to give me all those teaching positions or coaching positions you know what i'm saying you know sudden he's going away the whole thing was paid for but i went and bought him what he wanted so i could say listen you know, I got you. Thank you. you didn't have to give me that opportunity, but you did. And that's helped my life. So to buy a beer, say thank you, like that's the least we can do, right?
1: Yeah. And you made that gesture you told David and uh, his grandpa Tom that uh, hey just come out and practice with us whenever you want. Yep. And granted we were like at that point it was COVID lockdown, I think, or probably some of a, that. And he was probably
0: a Misha violation, but you know, yeah, whatever. On dance, man, you
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean I mean you've already yeah, you've you moved on if so Misha's coming down on FZN
0: golf, we got major problems. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah,
1: practice. It's not like you had the kid playing, you know. Yeah. But uh, but no, it was great. That was great, and then it was one of those things he was. Always talk about Coach Morrison. Yeah, talk to Coach. Coach told me this. Hey, I'm talking to Coach. Coach, we're gonna go do this. And this a sponge, is so cool, man. He's a sponge, so cool dude. Man. He, so. He's gonna. Again,
0: I, I don't want to put those kind of pressures on kids. I wouldn't put that pressure on my own daughter. But you know, again, the the things that I've taught, the things I stick to, the my why of coaching, my purpose. Again, the commitment, character, confidence. You know, if you're committed to getting good at something, to being the best at something, to that's what I want to do, that's the first step, right? Now comes the character, right? What is David doing when no one's watching David, right? What's Mark doing when no one's watching Mark, right? that That's where your routine is the most important, right? I'm going to get up. I'm going to eat breakfast. I'm going to do my pushups. ups I'm going to do my sit-ups. I'm going to do my breathing routine. I'm going to do my salutations, my yoga, you know, whatever your routine, I'll go hit a thousand golf balls. I'm gonna go chip. I'm gonna putt. I'm going to play, you know, 18 holes and then go back and practice. That's the routine, right? That's the character part of it. Being a good human being, being disciplined. And that, that together creates the confidence of going out when the cameras are on you, when there's STL today and there's parents and, you know, there's other good players playing that like, I'm, I'm just flipping this switch, and I'm in automated mode. I'm in I'm in golf mode now, and I've done this a thousand times because I've gone through the routine. I've put the work in. I've done the process. That's what creates the confidence. Like none of these guys can go out. Do you think they go to these golf tournaments and think that they're not gonna win? I wouldn't be spending all that kind of money traveling. You know, I'm going there to win. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, or, or I'm gonna get a paycheck at least. I'm gonna get top ten, and move up the FedEx thing. Like, think about what these guys do. Like, a lot of them are paying their own, their ways. A lot of them, right? I mean, they might have endorsements and things. Yeah, they're but, basically
1: independent contractors. These yeah, PGA guys and so like, corn yeah. Ferry and all that. Yeah. But
0: man, like, I'm not showing up just to hang out. Right, I'm here to win, and 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 that's that's what it takes. And he has that. Like, I, you know, there's not many people that I see. You know, I think Reese has that same ability. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, um, Mitch had that. You know, again, being a senior, it's a little bit different when you're on your way out. You got to start thinking of other things to do. You get, you yeah, I get that short timer. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, the work ethics there, man, and it, the, again, but it's it's that the mentality that that lion. I mean, I love Eric Thomas, man. He's one of my favorite motivational speakers, man. He he talks about every day in the safari. You know the lion wakes up and the, and the and the gazelle wakes up. You know and 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 that that gazelle he's gonna run right and and that lion's gonna chase him right. But it's that's like the thing with athletes though is like there shouldn't be the coach having to to poke you, prod you, motivate you to make you run, right? Like you should want to do that because you want to be great. And then what happens? As soon as the lion starts chasing the gazelle, what happens? The gazelle stops. And that's what a lot of athletes do. Like when the coach stops putting all that, like there's got to be a time where you take accountability for your work ethic. And it's not the coach's responsibility. Like my responsibility is these 15 other athletes, not just you. But once he, I mean, he has it. But like once you figure out then the work ethic's there, it's right here. It's, it's in between these little eight inches and in those ears. Like I can do this. I can win. Right? I am built for this. And that's when the change happens. That that's for me when I started to be successful, being a five eleven white kid in a basketball conference that I shouldn't even have been playing in, you know. And then go play Division three, not even Division two, not Division one. But every guy I guarded was 6'4". Six, six, it was no guys my size, in, you know, in D three. Like they're all they might have been slower, but like it was an uphill battle every day. And that was that. That's just kind of how I looked at life you know like yeah you're bigger than me right you're you come from a better background than me your parents have more money than me but let me tell you something man your your face and your height have nothing to do with my work ethic right like you don't know how long I've been in the gym you don't know long how long I've been doing this drill and ready just preparing for a guy like you like mm-hmm. that's what I love about Mike Tyson man like yeah he was the most feared man in the planet but like he created that, you know. Yeah, he was a great boxer, but like his, the way he carried himself, the way he talks to people, like you wouldn't want to see Mike Tyson in a dark alley, right? Like, cool, like whatever it is to me, like you, you, you want to hit a thousand? Then you don't want to see me at the driving range because I'll hit two thousand. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna beat you. Like that was my mentality. I had, I didn't have that genetic ability. I didn't have David's height. And David swing at that age. You know, I didn't have that. I didn't have people around me that that know, know the game of golf and, and are at places like Stone Wolf and things like that. I didn't have that. I I worked on it, you know, and that's why I was probably like for me to walk on a college golf team knowing I was there to play basketball was very cool for me, you know, because I put the work in, you know. Man, so those guy. guys, those I could tell those guys like I'll catch you. On the golf course in two years, you'll never catch me on the basketball You know what I mean? Like that was the difference. I already put that work in on basketball. You guys have put the work in in golf, but I'll catch you, right? It's what I tell the kids. Like, guys, we're down here every year. All the other teams are up here, right? It, it, it's that easy. That easy philosophy. Like, what do you do to decrease the gap? Mm-hmm. Right? You you got to work harder. Yeah. Right? You got to put in more effort. Yeah.
1: I told him when when they were out there one day. And it was it was kind of rainy and whatnot. I remember, and, I was, yep. and nobody else wanted to come out. And David and I or actually a match was, a match was canceled. And I said, I've got my clubs. Let's go play St. Peter's because you're going to be there. I thought it was like in a couple of days or whatnot. So you're going to be there. Let's play. And we go, and the guys at East and Don, who's oh, yeah, one of his mentors right. Right. and his first tee coaches, they're they're going. I said, call your your buddies and tell them that the other team is out there practicing. And they don't want to it be because it's rainy and cold. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let them know. And then uh, so he, he kind of go to them. Reese came out. I think Michael came out and, and we played. And yeah. uh, and I, I told him, I said, you guys, your team is like in Rocky 4 You're Rocky and they're the Russians. They've got yeah. all the drills. They're doing like push-ups. And you got to pull that log through the snow and all that. You got to exactly do, right. you know, whatever. So to keep that Rocky mentality. So that's yeah. uh, that's what I gave my uh, hey, if Whenever you make a Rocky Four reference, it's, yeah. it's always
0: fun. I, I remember that probably a match shortly after that you 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 played well but you didn't you didn't chip well i think right and then all the guys already left and then, oh, and then yeah, he's yeah. over there like chipping Maybe right? i mean i was leaving i still see him yeah, over there chipping yeah. and all of them are real close to the pin too like he, he said, why couldn't he, i do that he had a nice cluster yeah. there so, so yeah it's just sp- putting but, in that extra that, time exactly that's what it's about you yeah. know you know going and having a bad night and then going right back to the drawing board yeah yeah. Right. Ever evolving.
1: That's right. So talking about evolution, you're moving to the beach and in the house your dad built. Is that correct? Uh, no,
0: not built. Uh, it, it's they bought, you know, when they retired. It, it was it was postponed, actually, when I was going through my brain cancer. OK, so gotcha. they had sold the house in Chicago, sold the bar, sold the deli, you know, sold all the things. And they were just kind of in transition. So they that's when they kind of they had everything kind of packed but then they just came to st louis and kind of purchased the condo next to us made a,
1: made a pit stop in st louis and, until and i was
0: you know basically out of the clear uh you know i couldn't work for three years they just needed my brain to just kind of heal yeah um once that was kind of done and i was driving again um
1: they're bam, like see bam, you bud bam. They're, we they're, love they're, you they're, but yeah. uh we're going they're to the in beach. bolivia
0: north carolina man It. uh Carolina National Winding River Fred Couples golf course. So, yeah, he was like, I'm out, man. You're
1: good. And that's where you're at now. You've got that. uh, Because you were, like, on those cold days when it was raining. You said, all right, guys, (laughs) I love you, but, uh, you know, like, I'm I'm, I'm counting my days to get to
2: North Carolina. I'm going to
0: be 46, you know. Like, you know, I got two screws in that knee. I got two screws in my right shoulder. (laughs) got a few
1: loose screws in your head. definitely some loose screws. Half my –
0: I think they took a little bit more out Uh, than I was aware uh, of, but – yeah man I just you know I don't enjoy it anymore that way you know like I'll play if it's something important for you know charity Things like that for for a cause, but I'm I'm not going out and playing in 39 degrees oh, and rainy yeah. man. Like kidding me? It's, yeah,
1: no doubt. So playing, yeah, go no go way. to the warm weather and yeah, play. Yeah, and then and also you mentioned loving the motive uh, Yeah, the, I be, uh, yeah you, see, that's why I'm you're, not a motivational that's speaker. That's good. Though, like, I, I thought I was the bad. I'm one. doing like the Daffy Duck to the cartoon, <laughs> but but um, but yeah, you're gonna. So you, one of your goals is to be a motivational speaker, which I think you'd be great.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I I. I have a lot to work on Uh, I'm an aunt in that industry Uh, I have you know Wes Brown you know Eric Thomas a lot of guys that I like to listen to that I like to use in my coaching you know philosophies and just motivational things every now and then Uh, yeah but in a different perspective like you know I, I wasn't homeless and you know I wasn't eating out of garbage cans and you know I'm not trying to change businesses you know I'm trying to talk to the people who have gone through cancer, Mm -hmm. gone through having an elderly parent have Alzheimer's and then Parkinson's and how to deal with those things. Maybe even, you know, during COVID, you know, I lost my dad during COVID, you know, my, my family and, you know, friends weren't even allowed to see, you know, at certain moments they were allowed to come to the hospital, you know, and see my dad before it got bad. But once he got to the hospice, you know, my brother was in Jersey, which was a hot spot. Like whether he could even fly her in or out was questionable. The, 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 you know, the places were like, you know, you can have five people and no one else and nothing. Um, God, when my dad died, you know, my mom was in a a nursing facility and they were going to quarantine her for 14 days in her room to go to take her out to to let her go to the funeral procession and and then you know to, ha- to have to stand over your father's casket and facetime your mom for his you know so that the, his you know your wife could say goodbye to her yeah. husband was just it's crazy man. yeah definitely and i mean yeah it's a, you know it's a great place to move it's a golden opportunity for Britt and i but like It's got nothing to do with that, man. I'll be honest with you, it's it's all about my mom, man. Like my mom is not going out the way my dad did. And they can take me now and COVID, I don't care, but like my mom's not going out that way. And I'm not afraid to die, I've been there, done it. Like I think we all have a time, you know, but no one knows when that time is, Mm -hmm. right? So what are you doing during the dash? What are you doing? doing during those two dates that are on that that casket or that tombstone Mm -hmm. that's what i'm all about man since the day i was diagnosed i live every day like it's my last sometimes it's not all good times you know things but i that's how i look at it man it's it's every day because i you know not many people were told you're gonna die or even if you survive this you got three to five years then you're gonna die Mm -hmm. or you might be paralyzed or this and that like you know i can only imagine what it feels like for my mom to like see your granddaughter and know she knows her but can't remember yeah. her name or remember her birthday or you know to have all those independent things taken away from you because of your brain you know she's she's healthy she can walk she, you know she, she she can't talk like that because she doesn't have those independent thoughts but you know if i do something silly she's gonna be like mark Alley, you know, she gets on like those things are still there yeah man. you know it's just the short-term stuff and I don't know man it, it's I've always been that kind of you know person who's always just thinking I could change the world and you know I, I and why not like dream big man like I I've I've again touched thousands of kids cool teaching and coaching is not going to be my legacy it's it's going to be no, It's part it, of your it, legacy yeah, I I get that yeah, but like I like I want I want to do significant change with cancer and all the time. I want, I want to change. I want to fix this man. Like if I can have my name somehow attached to that with the million of other people who've done the research and the million of other doctors and sign then then that for me is that's leaving your mark.
1: Yeah. And so talk about making your mark and leaving your mark. And we'll wrap up with your, with your, the foundation you're starting and the work that you're going to do this next chapter.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, again, like I've I my story's an open book, man. Um my dad passed away and it was hard. You know, he was my best friend, he was my mentor, my number one golf buddy. Um and when he passed, like uh, I didn't have that guy to Man, Dad, like we lost by two today and you know, I ran that play and da 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 and like oh, well did so and so set the pick and You know, so I had lost twenty years of that those conversations Mm -hmm. in an instant. No one to call after a good win anymore. You know what I mean? Like no, no one to call. Yeah, I feel the same way losing my dad. Yeah, after you got your ass beat, my brother, like God, love him, man. Like we didn't have that relationship. You know, I wasn't calling him for that. Um. So, long story short. I I had a mental block, I would say. I couldn't get over the fact that I, I lost my dad, and I didn't really know what else to do at that point. And no, now taking full care of my mom, um, it, it was it hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting, and. I was probably doing more things that I shouldn't have been doing. You know what I mean? Like hanging out with people I shouldn't have been hanging out with and people who didn't have my best interests involved Mm -hmm. in a relationship that I was reaching for because it's what I wanted, but that person didn't want what I wanted. So when, when I got to that kind of point, which I have never been in my life, I needed a hard reset. So I went and I went in and checked myself into the Harris house. 28 day step program. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't drink like that. But I needed to be around people. That were. I wouldn't say worse off than me because I didn't have a heroin problem. I didn't have, you know, like a, a drug problem. You know what I mean? I did drink. I, I mean, I drink. Right? It is what it is. But like, it wasn't that I was drinking it was that I was drinking because I didn't want to handle my dad's loss I didn't want to go deal with people who wanted to say sorry for your loss I didn't want to deal with that yeah so I I would just drink you know not like crazy stuff like you know I'm, I walk home and da, 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 I go to work you know all the things but like it was taking a toll on me emotionally because I couldn't get through my father's loss yeah and now I didn't have the people around me as much as I would have liked to, to help me. Cause they're in Chicago and they're in New York. Yeah, and Yeah.
1: The, the, the type people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so it was like, you know, I, 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 you know, God love him, man. Hugh My, my rock, man. I called him. I was like, I need a favor. Anything for you, dog. I said, I, I need you to take me into a, a, a facility so that I can get my head right. Cause my head's definitely not right right now. And I went in and I took that thing for 28 days as serious as I took my daughter's life. You know, I took notes I learned about cognitive behavior therapy. I learned about how to deal with my emotions. I learned that I wasn't to blame, that actually, you know, and I don't want to put blame on my father like that, but like when you start learning the facts about depression and things, like I shouldn't have been in a bar at nine years old. I shouldn't have been on a pool league at 11. I shouldn't have seen people, you know, do the things that that they were doing as adults at that age. You know, so I was like, the I was kind of screwed in the head the way my philosophy that that no fear philosophy, which would have got me in a lot of trouble, which now I see why they sent me to prep school and mm-hmm. got me out of the city yeah. because I was yeah. getting to that point. You know, like I, didn't, I didn't scared of anything. I fought like we, we've had guns, we've had knives, like we're no one's worried about that stuff anymore. So, yeah. So, you know, I went in, I did my 28 day program. Uh, and in that in that moment that was when like i'm gonna go back to teaching i'm gonna go back to coaching and that was where it was like you know i heard a thing like you know what are you doing like you you're you're given this god-given time this short window of life and what's your legacy gonna be what how are you gonna make your mark and i was like that's it,
1: and that's like, where you discover that in that yep. it, that twenty eight days. So yep. sometimes that's,
0: that's where it was at. Yeah, man, I was like, cool. what, what? Like, what has getting part? Of my, what has fucked my life up so much that I that I'm here? Mm-hmm. And it was cancer, right? Like, so like my cancer, never really dealing with it. I just went back to work. You know, I did my treatments. Da, 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 like, no, I didn't go seek any therapy about it. Like, talk about it. I just went back to work because I, I needed a paycheck. Yeah. Um, same thing with my dad. I didn't. I didn't go seek counseling. I just went back to work, and that didn't work this time. You know, like that dude was such a significant role in my life. Like I had the coolest childhood in the world because of him, you know, like I was an idol as a child because all whose dad had a bar and like Mm -hmm. had a Porsche and a Lincoln in the 90s in the hood of Chicago. Like no one had that. Like so like that that gave us some some clout as even as middle class people. But we weren't like rich like we weren't, you know, Clayton people like that. You know what I mean? My dad, they just worked their ass off and saved their money and spent it wisely. So, yeah, I mean, that that ultimately is not like a glamorous story, like nine guys, you know, like my team of doctors coming together with this plan. It was I, I heard something, man. And like, you know, what are you doing to make your mark? And that I, I, I've used it in coaching, like, you know, like, again, you guys you guys have been in this program as freshmen and sophomores and then juniors. And now it's your senior year. Like there's no more excuses. Right. Like. What are you going to do to make your mark? What are you going to do to leave your legacy in this program so that you're never forgotten? Think about it. Like unless you make the hall of fame and golf and basketball, like you're forgotten unless there's good highlights on you. But like you make all state, right? You make all American, you make that. Those plaques are in high school buildings forever unless it burns down or something. Right. But like, that's how you make history. That's how you make your legacy in terms of athletics and, and high school sports. But I I did all that, you know. I was National Honor Society, Kodak Young Leader, blah 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 blah. You know, Division Three, right? Like those awards are great, but they don't give you scholarships, right? For one, and then two, it's, you know, what are you really gonna do with your life? Yeah, you know. And, And some people it could be golf, but at the end of the day, even if you play professional golf, look at these guys like. That's just part of what Tiger Woods does. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's so much bigger than that now. What he does and the amount of money he just contributes to things and the amount of life that that he's changed in terms of education, and that's what his foundation is mostly designed about is education and giving technology to schools and things. That's his legacy. I mean, the wins are just part of it, man. Yeah, like, yeah. So well, that's that's where you start to mature. And for me, I you know started to mature and think about, more than just myself, you know? And
1: you definitely we put that on the poster we gave you for yeah. uh, you. You made your mark best, at man. at Fort Zumwalt. That's you the know? first
0: thing I'm going to hang up when I get to North Carolina. Yeah, you That's definitely made thing.
1: your mark with uh, with myself and David. Yeah, and I know you're going to continue to do that with the foundation with the uh, with the work you're going to do speaking. And it's it's about stories, and, and I appreciate you telling your story here. Yeah. and continue no doubt, to hear the new chapters as they uh, as they are, are written. Yeah, yeah, I know you're going to do well.
0: I I tell, you know, a lot of the teachers, man, like teaching that my experience of having to go to Harris House and my dad dying and me not understanding how to deal with loss because I never really had to deal with it like that. But, man, these teachers need to understand that, like, there's people out there that could help whether you're struggling financially or just mentally or. You know, any mental health issue, man, like, it's a real thing. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I wouldn't even say it because I had cancer, and my brain was definitely affected by that cancer and the amount of treatments I had, but that I wouldn't blame that on the cancer. It was the, the emotion that I felt and the connection I had with my dad yeah. that I couldn't deal with. So mental breakdown, mental, I don't give a crap what people call it, but if you're struggling, there's help out there, and it's your fault not to... Be man enough or woman enough to accept that you need help. And if there's if, again, if there's nothing, another thing I can do with, for make your mark is that like, then I made my mark to say that, that it, you're not a punk asking for help. You're not a weak person to go to Harris House. You're it takes not a, a stronger person exactly. to ask for help. Yeah, and, and, and so I would have never. I was a hypocrite of that. I'm not like I'm you know but re- I don't you need know, i not like nah, but I did. And until I realized I did, until I made a decision that I'm, no one else put me there. I made a decision that I wanted, I wanted this hard reach out. That for me, like if I could touch people like that, if that, if this podcast any hits people that are dealing with mental health issues and they reach out because of this, we've done our damn job, man.
1: Absolutely. Right?
0: Like golfers that say, listen, how, how do I get better? Well then character, you know, commitment, commitment, character, confidence, go put in the work, Right what are you gonna do? Even with mental health, it's
1: putting in the work. It's it is it's putting it's, it's, in the work. It's
0: not just can't just talk about it. Like I had to go through and write things down and and write a letter to my daughter on how ashamed I was that I that I'm here and couldn't be with you because I had things that I had to deal with. I was embarrassed about that. But then to hear her say, Daddy, like you have to take care of you. Yeah. Or you can't take care of me.
2: Mm-hmm
0: that was cool like and and that was it was cool to see this I never would have thought I would have got the support that I did um but yeah like it's a real thing man and and there's a it there's a thousand different germs to that you know death you know close one dying divorce financial troubles cancer other diseases you know just anything but like man seek the help so, I mean we have great insurance too like you know use it you know maximize it because it's too late when when you have a stroke or a heart attack. At that point, in my opinion, like you've already been compromised. Mm-hmm. I, I just wasn't going to let that happen. Yeah, you know. Well,
1: it's been an absolute honor talking with you. Oh, Thanks man, for I appreciate sharing it, your story. It's I appreciate uh, it. it's been great walking around the golf course with you, watching the guys play. I will tell you, man, you've made your mark too. Don't
0: don't put all this on me, man. That the, the what the, those are the little things that like I don't have time to do is walk around and take pictures and take note i mean what you've done for him is his game is has grown exponentially because of those notes and the reflections and thinking about things and going through the routine but like think about what you did man like 13 kids on that golf team you got pictures of all of them like those kids who's gonna be out there taking pictures of those kids if it wasn't for you like those kids have memories for the rest of their Absolutely. life. Absolutely. That's and you've yeah. made your mark on their golf yeah. team cuz they have documentation like yeah. when they're like, "Dad, you didn't play no golf. Look at this yeah. picture from Ken that I have." Pretty damn know, good you know, pictures. No, so like, damn right. right there good <laughs> pictures. But that but again, man, like when as a coach, I I welcome that. Yeah. when moms want to come in, yeah, cuz you're taking pressure off of me and the kids love it. It, it. They're typically people are better at things than that than I am anyway. And it just makes the whole experience like that's for me what I wanted to do as a coach is like you're not just going to compete in wins and losses and have a I want to give you the whole experience And, and that's what that is and those pictures and having people come out and walk with them. You know having people come out and do the banquets and things like that and i mean the amount of cookies and the, the senior cake. yeah my
1: sister did a great dude, job with all that dude yeah. i and then she's, she's got some business plugs right we should have had her on the podcast cause she <laughs> she made
0: say, all those parents for birthdays and yeah. and future banquets yeah. i feel like
1: she might get booked up man <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Well, we, I, I think we just did our version for the podcast of the St. Louis Goodbye. <laughs> We're like wrapping it up and we go. Oh, we oh, can do tees that. and greens, yeah. right? Was that the old, it was an AM show back in the day, I remember. Yeah, so, But this was an honor and uh, definitely stay in touch and uh, look forward to great things happening for you. I
0: appreciate it, man. You know, not for everybody out who listens to this podcast, but you and David, family, you guys know you're in North Carolina. I'll be offended if you don't come look me up.
1: Well, we're going to make a trip just specially just to see you. My man, we'll we'll hit up Carolina National then. Sounds good, buddy. (laughs) Thanks. You got it.